Welcome to the podcast of Jessup First United Methodist Church, featuring our pastor, Rebecca Duke-Barton. It's good to be with you in worship on this All Saints Sunday, part of three holy days that are All Hallows Eve, All Saints Day, and All Souls Day. We've kind of let All Hallows Eve become a day all about candy, and we've combined All Saints and All Souls in the Methodist Church in our celebration, probably because the United Methodist Church doesn't really have canonized saints. And so we celebrate all the saints of God together, and that really is all the people who believe in the Lord and love Jesus Christ. So I love the scripture this morning for All Saints Day as we look back at the way Jesus brings hope and comfort to two grieving sisters and brings life in the midst of death. Our reading this morning from the scripture is a little bit longer than usual, but we need the whole story today. And so we're going to read a big chunk of John chapter 11. Will you find that in your Bible and listen as we read together John chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And then down to verse 17. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them and their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up and went quickly to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, 
how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there's a stench because he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There was a four-year-old boy who was dressed up as Superman, and he went out trick-or-treating on All Hallows' Eve. He went to the home of actress Lois Wilson, and he reached out his empty hand and said, Trick-or-treat. Miss Wilson teased him a little. Where's your bag? she asked. And he said, My mom's carrying it. It's too heavy for me. Miss Wilson smiled. But you're Superman. He looked down at the S on his chest and looked back at Miss Wilson and whispered, Not really. These are just pajamas. Today's All Saints Day, and the New Testament tells us that all who believe in Christ are saints. Most of us don't feel very saintly. We feel like that little boy just dressed up in saint pajamas. We ate too much candy yesterday, and we've argued with our family, and we did not have kind and loving thoughts about every person that we met. We look down on the S at our shirt and plead with God, not really, I'm not a saint, I'm only human. And that is the great mystery of All Saints Day. We are indeed only human, but we are also the saints of God. And we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, saints who have gone on to glory before us. They have run the race. They have fought the good fight. They have completed their course. And we are left behind with an empty chair, grieving. And it makes us feel not very saintly. Jesus' response to Martha and Mary in John 11 when their brother died helps us to see that even for faithful Christian saints, Jesus knows we will grieve, but he wants to comfort and encourage us and give us hope. We grieve, but we do not grieve as those who have no hope. I think that's why John 11 spends so much time focused on the grieving sisters before Jesus brings Lazarus back to life. At the beginning of John 11, Jesus received a frantic message from Martha and Mary. Their brother Lazarus was on the point of death. But Jesus dawdled. He did not get up and go immediately to Bethany. He spent a couple of extra days in Samaria, and then he got the word that Lazarus had died. When Jesus arrived, he was met by Martha, the sort of no-nonsense, get-busy, get-to-work kind of woman that we all know. She was used to running her household, and I suspect people did what she said. 
Martha met Jesus at the door. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I wish the Bible told us something about tone. Don't you wonder how Martha said that? Was she fussing at Jesus, knowing that he had taken his time? Lord, it does not take four days to get here. If you had been here, if you had come when we sent word, Lazarus would not have died. Or was she saying it in a wistful way? If only you'd been here, Lord, things could have been different. My brother would not have died. And then there's Mary. She's a little more prone to dramatic expressions. She was weeping with other mourners, and she came to Jesus with her tear-stained face, her heart broken, and she threw herself at Jesus' feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Do you hear it? She said the exact same words as her sister Martha. And the mourning crowd agreed. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? I felt that way myself sometimes. We think about what might have been. Did we try the right doctors? Did we eat the right healing foods? Did we pray the right prayers? We have the sense that God could have made it different. We don't know why one person gets a miracle and another doesn't. We wonder where God is in our grief. Lord, if you had been here, my loved one would not have died. When we're grieving, it is normal to go through those stages of grief. Anger, bargaining, denial, depression, and acceptance are all normal parts of the grieving process. And notice that Jesus never says to the sisters that they are grieving incorrectly. He doesn't chide them for a lack of faith. He doesn't tell them, if you had enough faith, you wouldn't be crying. He doesn't say to them, why don't you trust me? No, he meets them where they are in their grief. And in the midst of that grief and that sorrow, he brings comfort and hope. Feeling sorrow and anger in our grief is not the same as losing our faith. They go to Jesus even in their grief because they trust in him. You see, Jesus knows us. He knows what we each need. Notice that even though Martha and Mary said the same words to Jesus, he responded in different ways. Jesus knows the comfort and peace that each one of us needs. And that is what he gives us. He meets us where we are. He meets our need. He meets us in our grief and loss. Mary came to Jesus weeping. And did you notice how he responded to her? Every child who has ever been asked to memorize a Bible verse knows this one, John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus wept. It's two words, the shortest verse in the Bible, and yet it carries such great power. Jesus talked about believing and hope with Martha. We'll get to her in just a minute. But with Mary, Jesus wept. Surely he was not weeping because he didn't have faith that God had the power of life over death. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew he was about to call Lazarus out of the grave and bring glory to God. But even for those of us who believe and believe it with our whole hearts, sometimes we just have to weep. 
We know our loved ones are with Jesus, but we miss them here on earth. And as much as we believe in the cloud of witnesses and the communion of the saints, Jesus knows our sadness, and it is not the same thing as having the person sitting beside us on the pew at church. Jesus wept with Mary. He knows our sorrow. We talk about him bearing our grief on the cross, but even here in his life, he's bearing our grief. One of Samuel and Susanna's teachers died when they were in fifth grade, and at the funeral, the wise hospice chaplain told the fifth graders, God made tears for times like this. Jesus wept too. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus heard the words, but he knows us, and he knew Martha needed a different kind of comfort. With Martha, he had this deep theological conversation, full of hope, full of showing her who he really is. He called her to believe. So he said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha gave the answer that almost any religious person might have given in her day, expecting the resurrection to be an end of time event. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Martha was thinking that someday in the distant future, God would make the dead alive again. Sometimes we just give the answer we've always heard. I think about the preacher who was giving his 100th children's sermon. And so he said to the children, Kids, what's green, lives in the pond, sits on a lily pad, and hops. The children looked at each other with vacant eyes. He looked around. Surely someone has an idea. Lives in a pond, green, sits on a lily pad. And finally one child stood up and said, Well... It sounds like a frog, but it's church, so I know the answer must be Jesus. Sometimes we know what we're supposed to say, and so we say it. But Jesus invites Martha to think differently, to really get in her heart, to know that hope is coming, not just in some distant future time, but Jesus has hope to offer right now. And so Jesus tells her something that's really almost shocking. You don't have to wait until the last days to experience God's power in bringing new life. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. What words of comfort and hope from Jesus? Think about that. The resurrection isn't just some event in the far distant future. Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is the life right now. Right now, in the midst of grief, Jesus is the life. Right now, even though we, the saints of the church, live in bodies that will get sick, Jesus is the life. I always think we should read Martha's story in Luke in light of this story in John. You know, the one where she's too busy getting food ready to stop and listen to Jesus. At this moment, she's actually run out to meet him before he can even get to town. And in the face of sorrow, she learned at the feet of Jesus. As a matter of fact, in the Gospel of John, she's the first person to proclaim that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus asked Martha the same question he asks of us. Do you believe this? 
She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. This moment of hovering between life and death helped her to see it, helped to see clearly who Jesus is, that he's the Son of God, that he's the Messiah, that he truly is the resurrection and the life. If you can say that with Martha, that you believe in Jesus as the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, then you're a saint. That's how you know the S on your shirt isn't just pajamas. The saints of God are those who believe what Martha believed. I think for many of us in our grief, it helps to know that even in the face of death, Jesus is the life. All Saints Sunday reminds us that there's a stream of Christians from the time of Jesus until now and on into the future as long as God wills. There's this cloud of witnesses who remind us that death is not the end of our story because we are part of Jesus' story. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He claimed us as his own and has given us his life. The men and women we're remembering today didn't wait until they died to know that Jesus is the life. They trusted in him. And because they knew that Jesus is the life, they led lives that pointed to him and his grace and his goodness. I really do think All Saints Day is one of the best things we do as a church. It's an opportunity to remember and celebrate the lives of those who have outrun us to the Father's house. Because the church is what it is today in part because of these faithful men and women. And it's a time to remind those of you who are grieving that the church family loves you. We see you and we want to bring comfort and peace. I especially want to say a word to the Joy Sunday School class at First Methodist because all of the people we're remembering today were part of that Joy class, a class that's been together since they were young and have walked with each other through so much love, so many joys and loss. On this All Saints Day, I'm sending you a hug across the airwaves. This is an opportunity to remind ourselves that we love you, but also to remind ourselves what's at the core of this story in John 11 and the core of our Christian faith. This is not the end for anyone who has died in Christ. Jesus is the life. So let's think about the witnesses of the saints from First Methodist and Jessup, who have died since last All Saints Day. Freeman Bacon believed that Jesus is the life, and that came out in generosity in everything that he did. He was always doing something kind, sending flowers or saying a word of encouragement or showing up with food because he thought you could use a break from cooking. He loved it when we sang the old hymns at church and he sang them loudly from the second pew. Oh, the songs he must be singing now. Merle Cockfield believed that Jesus is the life. She lived life at 100% all the time. She was the most over-the-top encouraging person, whether it was her students, her family, her friends, or even her preacher. She always had a good word. Darling, you're so glamorous. You should be on the cover of Vogue. She'd hug your neck and 
grab you by both hands and tell you just how brilliant and stunning and fabulous you were. And then she'd invite you to a party. Can you imagine the party she's having in heaven? Dewey Cruz believed that Jesus is the life. He spent countless hours volunteering his time with the Wayne Memorial Hospital Auxiliary because through that ministry, he could help bring life and hope in the midst of sickness. And what a blessing he was to so many people. Can you imagine the glory he must be experiencing in a place where there is no more sickness? Lou Wolf believed that Jesus is the life. She was kindness personified, and she opened her heart to every person with so much love. She was so dear, and she was always behind the scenes making sure that everything looked just so, because she knew that looking at beautiful flowers and, and colors would point us to the one who created the flowers and the colors and everything good and beautiful in the world. Can you imagine the beauty she's experiencing now? Babe McGregor believed that Jesus is the life. She made her home a loving place for her family, and she was a pillar of this community. She had such a heart of compassion for people in need. She was instrumental in the work of the Good Samaritan Center, making sure that people in our community had enough to eat. Can you imagine what she's seeing in a place where no one is ever hungry or thirsty? Betty Hendricks believed that Jesus is the life. With her gentle spirit, she showed the love of God. She used her many talents to serve the Lord. With everything from painting flower pots for the church bazaar to baking pies to share with those who needed a bright moment, to singing in the choir and lending her voice to the glory of God. Can you imagine her singing before the throne of God the words we read earlier in Revelation? Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. You have more on your list today, I know. I have great uncles and a great grandmother that I'm remembering with joy this year. And I know you have family and friends that are part of a great cloud of witnesses. They weren't just dressed up like saints for Halloween. They are the saints because they were already living a resurrected life on this earth. That's why they could meet death with a song, with joy, because they already knew what resurrection looks like. In our scripture for today, Mary and Martha were able to see the power of God. They saw their brother, dead for four days, called back from death into life with Jesus' words, Lazarus, come forth. With that miracle, Jesus proved to the sisters that he is the resurrection and the life. Not many chapters later in John, Jesus would face his own death. He was the lamb that was slain. But in dying, he destroyed our death. Not just his own, not just for the one man that he called out of the grave, but for every believer, every saint. God has promised us that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes and there will be no more death. And we long for that time to come. We long for the days when there is no more hunger and no more thirst, but we will feast at his heavenly banquet. 
We long for the days when we stand around the throne singing the praises of God. But for now, we live in this hope. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the witness of the saints, the cloud of witnesses who point us back to you, the Messiah, the Christ. May we walk with you in newness of life. Comfort us in our sorrow, wipe away our tears, and set our hearts on the sure and certain hope of resurrection. Amen. We want to take a holy moment here in the service to call the names of the saints who have gone before us and to gather around for an agape meal, a, a feast together. It seems like so much of Jesus' ministry was gathering people around a table, and we can't help but think ahead that one day we'll all be gathered for the marriage feast of the Lamb. When Jesus was preparing his disciples for his death, he gathered them together for a meal. And so I invite you to, to come together. If you've got some food that you can get, some bread or a cracker and something to drink. And while you're at it, if you've got a candle, if you want to go ahead and get that so you'll be ready for the whole celebration here. So Jesus prepared his disciples by gathering them together for a meal. They sat down and talked, not only about his own death, but also about theirs. And this is what Jesus had to say in John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. My mom used to talk about family using fractions. When we were all together, she felt a sense of completeness. If everybody had their feet under her table, she'd say, we're now nine-ninths complete. If anybody was missing, she'd say, well, we're only eight-ninths. If somebody's feet aren't under your table this year, I know you're going to feel a sense of loss, that it's not quite complete. I think that's why we all have a sense of longing for a time when everything will be complete. It must have been something like that the disciples were feeling, because Jesus knew he was about to go away, and he knew they were going to have a sense that it wasn't complete without Jesus being there with them in the flesh. Jesus knew it was coming, so he promised that he would not leave them alone, because he was sending the Holy Spirit to bring comfort, to be their advocate, to be with them and with us. And so in that communion with Jesus Christ and with the communion of the saints, we remember these saints of Jessup First United Methodist Church. Freeman Bacon. Merle Cockfield. Dewey Cruz. Lou Wolf, Babe McGregor, Betty Hendricks.
take a moment to add saints that you remember who have gone on to be with the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for these, your servants. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, God of Abraham and Sarah, Miriam and Moses, Ruth and David, God of the priests and the prophets, God of Mary and Joseph, the apostles and the martyrs, God of our mothers and our fathers, and of our children to all generations, we thank you for your presence with us, for the communion of the saints, for those in your holy church today, and those who have run ahead of us and are part of the church triumphant. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, strengthen us to run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We pray that you will bless the food that we are about to receive together and pour out your peace upon us. I invite you now to take your bread and take your cup and know that we are eating this meal together as a sign of love and fellowship and that God is with us right here in our midst. After you've taken the bread and the cup, give thanks to the Lord for his abundant provision for you and for the world. Amen. You've been listening to the podcast of Jessup First United Methodist Church with Rebecca Duke Barton. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website. It's jessupfumc.org. That's J-E-S-U-P-F-U-M-C dot org.